In Israel's Negev, the Bedouin community is a peripheral population, mired in generational cycles of economic and educational stagnation. But Al-Bakor, a GPF grantee organization, is using innovative methods of early childhood education and family empowerment to break that cycle. In this episode of Good People Talk, GPF Executive Director Naomi Eisenberger speaks with Shlomit Somech Lehman, CEO of Al-Bakor, and Dr. Fawad Elzana, its Executive Director. Here they are in conversation about the work and the impact. I'm going to start by asking either of you to tell us a little bit about the Bedouin community for people who do not know and its size, its makeup, and of course, its challenges. The Bedouin community, a big society living in the southern part of Israel, it's about 270,000 people. Only at the late 1966, they got identity cards and recognized as civilians of Israel, citizens of Israel. Today, we are 270, 280 people. Half of them are living in recognized villages, which are supposed to have infrastructure and educational and public services in those villages. The other half are live in unrecognized villages and rural places. Despite the being live in recognized villages, most of those villages lack the basic infrastructure. I mean a good educational system, occupation. More than 95 of the Bedouin community need to commute outside of their villages to get to their work. The community, the Bedouin community in general, are located in the lowest part of the socioeconomic ladder in Israel uh, because of uh, poverty, lack of education. And because of that, on, uh, also uh, their occupational pro- uh, opportunities are very limited and their income is very limited. In this case, it's very poor parents, growing very poor kids, without the opportunity to get good education And this kid also will be very, very poor kid, very poor parent, and so on. Our organization is trying to change this vicious cycle and to get as much as we can part of this building community out of this cycle to get education. It starts with the literacy. In general, literacy is not supported and it's not very popular in the building community. And only small part of parents who are educated somehow, they give the, their kids this support and improving their chances to get higher education and later to improve their occupation and better income. Uh, actually, we are pretty sure that this is the most important point in changing the future of our community. Greatly as any poor community, we are struggling with violence, poverty, and sometimes our political power is very limited. Meanwhile, we are working with the kids, with the families to improve the future. 
It's complex, I know. Thank you for that. Putting it all sort of in a in a nutshell, but I think everyone listening understands the importance of literacy and where it can lead. Shlomi, can you share with our audience a bit about how Al-Bakor started? I myself had to deal with a, a raising a, a child with special needs. My child, my son was uh, diagnosed on the autistic uh, syndrome when he was three years old. And then for three years, I didn't work. I took care of him. And uh, I'm a social worker, by the way. I have, I, I'm also educator, but I feel more, I studied both, but I feel a social worker in my bones. So after three years that I took for a uh, time for myself to take care of my child and uh, I came back I started again to work and I got a job in a rehabilitation center for children with hearing implements. And my job was to uh, operate services for the, for the Bedouin community. And I was shocked. I was shocked when I saw the Bedouin parents. They were like, like it was to look at myself four years ago, four years, the shock that you have a child with special needs that you don't understand about is a, uh, the Bedouin parents didn't know how to deal with death and they didn't know how to deal with the organization. They didn't know how to deal with the educa education system, with the welfare system, the national uh, insurance. And what was very sad, it was not only that they, they didn't know how to deal with all this and to understand the essence of their child uh, disability, also the Jewish community didn't want their kids. Uh, if they wanted to go and uh, get services in Be'er Sheva, and uh, it's one of the, of the challenges that we have here is that Jewish services are uh, supposed to, uh, for the Bedouin, this is the highlight. If you want to have a good service, you go to the Jewish people. In, in many places, they were not accepted. And I remember that I also sympathize with the Bedouin because when I wanted to put myself, my son in the uh, a standard education system, not in special education, they didn't want him. And I remember that I thought to myself, my son is the Bedouin of the uh, Jewish community. And uh, at that time I met Fuad. Our children studied together in the bilinguistic, the Jewish uh, Arab school in uh, Be'er Sheva. And we talked about, the, about this issue and the issue of awareness of intervention in early childhood in the Bedouin community, Fouad was very much frustrated. And I remember us in the, in the school talking about it, what can we do together to change this uh, reality? Because as you know, we have another question. I, I mean, we, we will discuss it later. The most crucial years are the first years of the child. If you lose these years, then uh, um, you have nothing. Both of us, uh, Shlomit and I, uh, were part of the first bilingual bilingual school in Beersheba, which was oh. founded about uh, 12 years ago. And it's our vision to let people live in equity, as we believe that if we give, give our children to know each other as young as it's possible, when they grow up, they will build the coexistence in much better and much stronger basis. Most of our inequity and most of our conflicts in this country will be easily resolved 
by next, by next generation. Uh, in this school, you can find about half of the kids are Jewish, the other half are Arabs. We watch them inside the school playing together. And on the other side, you see the media, the conflict. It's our hope to change this situation and to make this region and this country more peacefully and less violent. You know that he, this guy, always blaming me for being too optimistic. And now I think that he is too much optimistic. <laughs> You're really addressing at least two different issues here. You're dealing with the issue of literacy, but you're also dealing with the issue of peace and coexistence. Yeah, that's right. So what were the challenges of starting this? The most meaningful uh, challenge was a lack of awareness. There was no awareness in the Bedouin community for the importance of intervention in early childhood. I talk about policymakers, I talk about professionals, and sure, I talk about the parents. If you don't have an awareness, you don't have budget, you don't have professionals, you have nothing. It's like, it's like you start something in the desert and there is nothing. And we had to, the, the, the whole first year was actually a advocacy because I had to go from one, one authority to another. I have to say the ministry, they know that it's very important. The problem was in the local the regional authorities in the city hall. I talk about the mayor of the city. Usually they are, I mean, most all the time they are men and they don't understand what, what is the whole issue about early childhood. There were no budget for early childhood, only for kindergarten. Now, if the children didn't go to kindergarten, then there's no budget for programs for parents, for example. How to guide parents. I remember now that one of the things that Fouad was frustrated that in the Jewish community, you have so many programs for parents. There is a flood. There is even, it's something sometimes exaggerated. You have advisor for sleep, advisor for snore, advisor for, I don't know what. And in the, in the uh, Bedouin community, there was nothing. And you see that parents don't treat to the children. Unfortunately, it is not uncommon to see parents, they don't, they don't talk to the children. They say, he doesn't talk, why should I talk to him? We are, I think, the, one of the very few organizations, maybe the only one who works with, children, with parents for children between birth and three years old, because you can't find them anywhere. Then organizations don't want to deal with this. No budget and no place to meet the parents, then why? We worked with the Ministry of Health. And they have, you know, at Tipat Halab that you visited us in Tipat Halab. Explain to everyone who's listening to this. I know what it is, but mother and the child care. Uh, it's, a, it's a mother child care center where, right, when you, when you give birth, yeah. you bring the baby for well visits and so forth, right? Yeah. So we worked uh, with the Tipat Halab, and they gave us in every Tipat Halab, even if it's a very very small building and neglected. And one of them was uh, even uh, was supposed to be destroyed because it was so. We opened library in every Tipat Halav that they let. We have now eight libraries. One with your support, 
One is bilinguistic. It's uh, in Yerucham. It's a small city in, in yeah. Israel. And uh, this uh, library will serve only the, also the people from the unrecognized village of Fahmeh. I hope it will be not only library, but also an opportunity to get together uh, young mothers from the Jewish community, young mothers from the Bedouin community. Another problem is that we don't have professionals. I mean, even if you have budget, and there is a budget, there are millions of shekels going back to the government every year. Why? Because there is no one to give the services. So what we do with the other part of your support right. is uh, at the end of November, we are going to open a course for uh, storytelling and um, poop. Mm -hmm. I have the German. Puppetry. So we can supply this uh, uh, service. And then we do something with music. After now we start to work for a course also with the music and movement, the children don't move. The mothers don't sing to them. So they, I think really everything comes from this point. No awareness for the importance of intervention in early childhood in all levels of the society. We're talking about a culture which is very different. And I'm sure that that has created issues for you in trying to do this work in that women are not necessarily encouraged to have some outlet. It's not easy to recruit those women to come to these centers and to bring their kids because of many reasons. Some of them are unable to get to those centers because the distance. Yeah. No, 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 no. In, in rural places, ah. it's not easy yeah. because of distance. And the other hand, some, some of them will come with their husband yeah. and he will wait outside for the 10 minutes, 15 minutes uh, until they finished their uh, mission. So we yeah. will not have the opportunity of taking their time and learning those abilities. And on the other hand, when they get home, uh, they will teach their kids. Many of those kids have, until the age of three, never read a book or hear a story or never handle a pencil or color and scratching on a paper while yeah. dealing with society that most of it lives in about 200 years ago. Are, are you starting to see glimmers of, yeah, of course. hope and, and positivity? Let me tell you my story. I grew up in a Bedouin community, Bedouin family. When I was young, uh, despite that my mother is illiterate and my father was a truck driver, they never have been in a school, but in their vision, they succeed to see that the future of their kids will be through the, through the education track. I remember that when I was first time that I saw a book, it was when I was about five years, it's first time, but my dad used always when he came back to ask us, did you read anything today? Did you write anything today? And his main mission was to push us to learn. When we're asking him to bring us a gift, he brought a book. When we asked, when we asked him for a pocket money, he was asking which book you are going to buy. And when he traveled somewhere, at first he stops next to 
a book store and give us the freedom to take any book we want. Exposing the kid to this world, we let them start exploring books. And yeah. we want to make books available for every child from the beginning. I will talk now about how, how we do it, because really the, the main problem is the, with the unrecognized villages. First, as Fuad uh, said, they don't have a lot of time to spend in the Tipat Halav. Second, usually they don't bring back the book. So this is okay. This is, we took it under consideration and it's okay with us, even if the, the only book they have. But what we do, we try to deal with this problem with various of uh, programs. One is by digital. A lot of mothers have uh, WhatsApp. So once a week, we send uh, some educational material, sometimes a story. So it's like a democratic library. She, she get it uh, on the, she get a WhatsApp, she press the button and then she get a story. It's very nice. The other program is what we call a, a door-to-door library. We bring the book to the door of the family and the, it's a, very nice to see how the children are waiting on the sidewalk uh, yeah. for the woman to come and, and uh, change the books. Right. Another program that we started, is that we go to a tent. You always have this woman in the tribe uh, that uh, she's uh, very popular and everyone do what she says for them. Then she brings to the tent 10 or 15 mothers with, her ch- with their children and we bring storyteller, a storyteller okay. that she, she do something with the parents and the children, workshop. the mothers, a workshop. And then she talked to the mother about the importance of reading to the child and uh, also we bring books. So it's like, five intensive meetings with books. Then we go to Jaffa, to Tel Aviv, to a bilinguistic library in Jaffa. For a lot of women, it's the first time they see the sea, for example. Yeah, of course. They live in Israel. So this is what we, we always try to think, how to reach the woman that cannot reach us. Also, we have an issue with um, illiterate women. The, the analphabetic that they come to the library and they say to the oh don't give me a book I cannot read and the woman in the library the guide she said come come to me I will show you that you can uh, read I will prove you she said how come I know I cannot read and she said come to me she takes the boy the little boy she opened the book and she tells him the story and then she asked the mother to tell the story from the pictures and then the mother is telling the boy uh, the story from the pictures. And then they say, Hala, it's her name. She said to her, you see, you see you can read? Didn't I tell you I can read? And now you go home and you read your child. You can imagine how uh, strong and how uh, optimistic we need to be yeah. to believe that right. we can change the future. Now we are building a committee, professional committee from people from the academia from the university, from the Bedouin community, a speech therapist, a, a people that are dealing with the literacy. And researchers also. Researchers, researchers. They will be the pedagogy committee that right. will help us improving our work. What better way to strengthen your work than to you know, really look at it critically and see, as you said, what works, what doesn't work. We are in the beginning of our uh, long way. We are a small organization, 
but with the help of many people from everywhere, also from the diaspora, we are recruiting more and more professionals and we are spreading in this community and building more and more centers that attract mothers and kids and giving them the opportunity to learn more, to study, and to get on the right uh, track. The fact that there are two of you, one from the Bedouin community and, and you, Shlomit, from the Jewish-Israeli community, makes it just that much more exciting and meaningful. I always uh, remember the story about old man walking through the beach and uh, taking starfish stranded with the sand and throwing them back. And the young man saw him doing so and asked him, what are you doing? Say, if I let them stay there, they will die. And then putting, the, putting them back uh, in the water. The young man said, but you are not be able to save all of them. So the old man took one starfish, threw it back in the sea and said, for this one, I am making the change. When people ask me about the Good People Fund and what we do, that is the story that I tell. <laughs> For that starfish, it made a difference. And that is really our guiding principle. I want to thank you both for the time that you've given us. Thank you for thank giving you. us the opportunity to tell our story.